the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is full of testing times. You've been through it, whether it's sickness or sorrow or suffering or sacrifice, or whether it's like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in our world, the effects of sin, evil personified. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. This is a testing time for our world. But that shouldn't surprise us because we've learned on a regular occasion that you're either just coming out of one of life's testing times, you're in the middle of one of life's testing times, or you may not realize it, but you're headed into one of life's testing times. In fact, I would say that as part of the human race, we have this guarantee. 100% of us will experience testing times, life's troubles, trials that overwhelm us. Our society today is experiencing that. We've been walking through such a testing time for several months. For the first time in my lifetime, we've experienced a worldwide pandemic. And now, We have the world's attention as we are battling the reality of injustice. Testing times. That's what we're going to talk about today from the book of James. Over the next several weeks, we're going to begin a series of messages from James where we tackle a lot of relevant issues for our lives. For example, maybe you're not walking through a testing time, but you're struggling with temptation. We'll find answers in James. Maybe you're facing financial challenges. James has the answer. You're struggling with this problem of racism and prejudice? Let's see what James has to say. You keep getting in trouble because of your tongue? James has a message for you. You're struggling to live out your faith. What does it look like? You need healing of your mind or your body. James gives us answers for all these practical things. In fact... James is written as kind of a practical source book for the Christian life. It's, it's where our faith begins to work. It's where the rubber hits the road. It's shoe leather Christianity, some could say. It's like the New Testament version of Proverbs that gives us daily wisdom. I want to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word and look with me in James. We're going to start in chapter 1 just a moment, we'll deal with today how to face life's testing times. As you find your way in scripture, I just want to say it's so good to be back gathered together with so many of you. We're thankful 
uh, to be together in worship. Some of you are still joining us online, and we're glad that you are. We're going to do our very best to provide our quality online content. I'm so thankful for volunteers and staff that have worked hard over the last 12 weeks to make sure that's available to you. They're going to continue to do that. But for those of you that feel safe and are able to be here, it feels good, doesn't it? So let's look at God's word and see what he would have us learn today. James chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. First, the introduction. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Let me start with that last word, greetings. You know what that means? Greetings. He's saying, hey, what's up? Good to see y'all. And that's about the extent of the introduction before he dives into a a power-packed letter to the church. It's written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And that's significant. Can you imagine what it would have been like to grow up with Jesus? You think you have family drama? Mom, Jesus is at it again. He thinks he's perfect. He's the half-brother of Jesus. But we don't know that because he wrote that. We know that from Christian history. That's not what most identified him. And I think that's a lesson for us. The most identifying feature of our life should not be our family of origin. It's not our race, our economic class. It's not the job that we have or the education we've earned. No, the most significant distinguishing feature of our life is our identity in Christ. And so James says, I'm a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, who's he writing to? We're going to learn from this over the next several weeks, but it's significant that James is writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish people, but he describes them in the dispersion, or some of your translations say the diaspora. He's referring to the fact that the church that was once gathered after Pentecost is now scattered around the world. It's probably about 50 AD under the persecution of a Roman emperor named Claudius. And they've scattered around the known world. That's described in Acts chapter 8. It says, Saul approved of the execution of Stephen. It says that there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. I can relate to that. Do you know how hard it's been preaching each week to a camera? It's so good to see you. It's so good to have some of us not scattered. But but this letter was written to a group of Christians who were scattered. They couldn't just do what they've always done. They couldn't be together and grow from that. I, I think James was also writing to them, helping them understand that this new faith was more than just ritual. The Jewish tradition had become so filled with these religious rituals that exhibited what they said they expressed in their faith. And James was saying, no, there's a new norm and you need to live this out in your life. In fact, the key word for the book of James would be the word maturity. He's trying to remind us that we should be growing. That should be a question you ask of yourself. Am I growing? Do I look different today than when I began my faith? Is my faith lived out, evident to the world around me? I think that's so important today. Whether it's be how we react to a pandemic or how we react to injustice. 
The world needs to see that those who profess to follow Jesus Christ are different. It's not just something we say. It's, it's not just that we've walked down an aisle or raised a hand. We've been dipped or dunked. It's, it's not a label that identifies us with a church. It's, it's maturity in our life. And so that's how I want to pray today. I want to pray that God would grow us, that he would mature us. That when we walk out of here in just a few minutes, we will walk out of here differently. And that that will be because of God's grace. So we're continuing in the book of James, James chapter 1. We're going to continue reading in verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded as a man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower in the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls, its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. I want to make a few statements, and then I want to give you some practical tips. So at the end of our time together, there will be three things that I want you to do, action steps that you can live out in your life, each of these summed up in one word. But first, these statements, beginning with a realization. And here's the realization. Life is full of of testing times. You've been through it, whether it's sickness or sorrow or suffering or sacrifice or whether it's like what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in our world, the effects of sin, evil personified. Life is full of testing times. It's part of the human condition. We all experience trouble. It's like that song, trouble, 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 trouble. It's been eating away at my soul since before I was born. We all encounter that and we all experience it in different ways. James is going to talk about not only trials, but temptations. The temptations he will tell us come from within. These trials are pressures from without. And we certainly gather today Aware of the reality of trials. Someone put it this way about trial. A trial is not something to be tolerated, but a trust to be treasured. Just think about that for a moment. Has God entrusted you with a trial? Someone else said this. Our our trials are trails that lead us to God's best. Where are your trials leading you? And what is James saying? First of all, he's saying life's trials are definite. 
Just know that. You're going to have trials. So he says, when you have trials, remember, you're either in the storm, uh, you're just out of the storm, or, or you're headed into the storm. Life's trials are definite, but, but life's trials are different. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Your walk may be different than my walk. The burdens you carry may be different than the burdens I bear. They're different, but they're there. The realization of of life's testing time. But then there are the results of life's testing times. What comes as a result? Our life testing times can be beneficial. Do you understand that? God may bring you to something so that he can get you through to the other side for your betterment. That's what Romans 8.28 is all about. We know that our God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that's what Joseph's life taught us that we learned in Genesis 50. Oh, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good so that many might be saved. Yeah, the reality is life's testing times can be beneficial to us. James wants us to understand that, to let us know that testing times can produce spiritual toughness. They mature us. They grow us. He uses that word. They perfect us. In the biblical sense, perfection doesn't mean that you never sin or have no errors in your life. It just means that you're maturing. You're being completed into what God wants you to be. I think about that kind of fortitude that comes from continuing on. And I, I remember a, an experience I had as a young child. It was around Christmas time, the, the time for our, our annual Purvis family reunion. And I loved hanging out, particularly with Uncle Triz. Uncle Triz was athletic and adventuresome. And it happened to be in our hometown that year, the Purvis reunion. And so we were meeting down at our church and Uncle Triz said, hey, Paul, do you want to jog back to your house? Now, not only did I not jog, if I had jogged, that would be further than I had ever jogged. It was a couple of miles. But not knowing what I was doing, I said, sure, Uncle Triz. And we began to run. We hadn't gotten too far, and I thought I was going to die. I had a pain in the middle of my gut. I could hardly breathe. I didn't know if I could make it. I said, Uncle Triz, I've got to stop. And it's that day that he taught me something, something that I would utilize later in high school as I ran cross country, something I'd remember as I'd go through life. He taught me about the second wind. He said, no, Paul, I'm telling you, if you just push through it, if you keep running, it'll get better. You're going to get a second win. And that day, sure enough, that happened. I continued to push through, and I made it back home. And that's what James is telling us. When we go through life's testing times, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's trying But those difficulties strengthen us. They grow our muscles. They create us to be that person God wants us to be. 
Maybe you've seen what takes place when a caterpillar goes into a cocoon and that cocoon becomes that chrysalis that then births that butterfly. If you've never seen that process, you could probably Google that after the service and watch it. It's amazing. If you see that butterfly trying to come out of the chrysalis, you're probably going to feel sorry for it. It looks like it's trapped. It looks like it needs help. And you could give it help. You could tear apart that chrysalis and free that butterfly. But I would need to tell you something. You would destroy its life because that's part of the process. And some of you are going through a life testing time. And and you're thinking, if only I could be delivered Oh, whatever that means. If only I had the mate I wish I had. If only I had the job I wish I had. If only I was through this educational pursuit. If only my finances were in order. If God would just deliver me instantly, then I would serve him. And yet maybe God's saying, no, I'm doing something in you. I'm building this spiritual muscle. It's spiritual maturity. Because as we endure, we mature. So what about you? All of us, when we hear the word testing time, we can think about something in our lives. And maybe you're going through it now. Are you maturing? So we have the realization of life testing time. I mean, we're going to face it. Uh, we've, We've not only got that, we've got the results of life's testing time. If we make it through, we mature. We're better for it. So then we've got to ask, what would our response be to life's testing times? And the truth is, our response to life's testing times shapes our destiny, doesn't it? It determines what our future is going to be. Just look at our nation right now. This is a moment in time where we have to decide, who are we? Will we stand for right? Will we stand against racism? Will we stand for justice in every form and fashion? Because the decisions we make today, our responses, they will shape our destiny. I've watched as people for 25 years have navigated life's difficulty, those testing times. And and there's all kinds of ways people try to put God in a box in the midst of this. For example, some go through a difficult time and say, God is dead. He's irrelevant. He's uninvolved in my life. I would just tell you that's a wrong answer. Others would say, God's angry. I must have done something. I I literally had someone say this to me within the last week. I've messed up so much. God would never forgive me. He he doesn't love me anymore. That's not true. That's wrong. Some would say, God's just whimsical. He's unjust. He's unfair. It really doesn't matter. He's going to do what he wants to do. That's an inaccurate theological understanding of God. And others would say that God's just ignoring their prayers because they haven't done something right. They didn't pray the right way. And maybe someone told you, you don't have enough faith. Or maybe you haven't given to their ministry. Hogwash. All of those are lies that pull us away from the one we need most, our God. Our our response must not be to pull away. Our response must be to lean in and to find him. And that's why James gives us this practical wisdom. So let me give you the first of the three action words I talked about. But first, let me remind you of the verses they come from. Verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. So here's the word. Rejoice. 
Wherever you are right now, just say that. Say rejoice. Now that's a paradox, isn't it? Life is full of trouble. There are difficulties. You're going to face testing times. So rejoice. Doesn't seem to make sense. Till you dig in a little deeper. James is not saying be happy. Now that would be silly. But our happiness comes from what happens to us, right? So if I get a good grade, I'm, I'm happy. If I get a pay raise, I'm happy. If I get the love I want, I'm happy. I have a good doctor's report. I'm happy. That's not what this is about. This is about joy. It's the same thing that Paul tells us in Philippians when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He goes on to say, So be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Rejoice. How do you do that? Well, James gives us the way to rejoice. And it's all tied up in the words he used. He says, count it joy. Count it joy. Count is a mathematical term. He's saying, do the math. It's an accounting term. He's saying, add it up. You've got to make a conscious, deliberate decision that in spite of the circumstances, you're going to be joy. He he doesn't say, feel it all joy. A lot of us are guided by our feelings. But we have all kind of feelings, don't we? You came in today or you began watching this today with different emotions. And those are based on what you've probably been through already this morning. It's like that baggage that you pull behind you when you go through the airport. It's like the cargo in a semi-tractor trailer truck going down the interstate. That cargo is like our emotions But that cargo is never intended to control the direction of the journey. What happens on an interstate if a big old truck is controlled by the cargo it's pulling? It becomes unstable. It goes from lane to lane. It could cause a crash and all kind of collateral damage. No, we're not guided by our emotions. We're not guided by our feelings. We're not guided by our cargo. We make a conscious decision. To count it joy. But notice he also says count it all joy. Because he didn't want us to think we could leave some things out. Be joyful except for this. Be joyful unless you go through that. No, in everything, in the good times, in the bad times, in the happy times, in the sad times, in the difficult, testing, troubling moments of life, choose joy. Now what if you don't? Well, you just really have to turn back one page to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, and verse 15, and you can see what happens if you don't choose joy. Notice what it says. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. By it, many become defiled. The Bible tells us that God's grace is sufficient. His grace is more than enough. Grace, grace, God's grace. It's amazing, isn't it? But did you know you can exhaust the grace of God? You exhaust the grace of God when you choose fear or pain or bitterness over joy. Now, as I read that verse, some of you had somebody come to mind. Somebody that's walked through a difficult circumstance, maybe a difficult marriage, maybe a job loss, maybe a diagnosis, some kind of trouble in this world. And instead of choosing joy, 
They became bitter. And they're now an angry person. Oh, don't let that be the case. You say, how do I keep that from happening? Well, go back to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus. Say this, say, look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the perfecter, the founder of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now think about that for a moment. He's the perfecter. What did James say he wants in us? He wants us to be perfected. How do we get perfected? We look to the perfector. And the perfector, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement, but it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.